0: This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Well, it is a controversial practice, and today the BC government made some moves to end it in this province. It's a practice that social services contracts health officials when they believe there are potential safety risks to infants, but they do this without the parents' consent. It's a practice known as birth alerts, and it's been used for a long time in hospitals right across this country and different provinces, and it was actually condemned recently by the inquiry that we had into missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. So what happens is the Ministry of Children and Family Development issued the alerts, which could result in the potential seizure of a child when social workers get a report about High risk expectant parents, and so they're assuming there could be a problem or concerns about the safety of the child at birth. And so what the minister for MCFD says is that they're changing the way they work with and support high-risk expected parents to help keep newborns safe and families together. Now, this comes about three months or so after the network APTN reported that the MCFD had apprehended an Indigenous newborn dubbed Baby 8. Just two days after it was born in Kamloops, they had initially attempted to take the child just 90 minutes after birth, even though close family members were there to say, what are you doing? No, 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 like you can't do this. Uh, The grandmother was there, like other grandparents were there just to help out. And they weren't listening. So that was a very controversial case. And then there was a video of a similar incident in Manitoba. This video went viral back in January. It sparked quite a bit of backlash. And by the way, just before we play that for you, a warning, some listeners may find this audio disturbing. Okay, hey guys, we're not going to discuss this any further. Child and Family Services has the power to apprehend the, the child. Okay, we're going to act. We're going to
1: actually physically remove the baby. I'm going to they pray for you. I don't you want know to do that. Okay, you both gotta go, of you. you, gotta go the do, you to do you feel good? Do you feel good doing this? No one says okay. We don't want that to happen. We're just asking for your it.
0: Okay. So are you going to comply? If not, we're going to have to physically remove the baby. I don't, like don't want to do that. Oh There's my it. god! Okay. And then you got to work on the steps to get the mm-hmm. baby back. Get yeah. your child back. We, we will comply, I, okay. I don't want to see police have to take babies. I know, and that's, I don't want to do that. That's so why I'm asking mom to yeah, cooperate us. No, Can we just have like five, fifteen? Minutes? No, no, sorry. There's no time to say no, goodbye.
1: No, it has to be right now. Oh, good. jeez.
0: Awful, right? Heartbreaking. That was from a case in Manitoba back in January. It was made public. I mean, can you imagine putting a mother who had just had a baby through that experience, the stress, the awfulness, you are just setting the entire situation up for failure at that point. Now, this has been a practice, as I mentioned, in in several provinces. B.C. had been doing this. And uh, we heard yesterday from the Minister of Children and Family Development that they will no longer be doing this here in B.C., They do believe that these birth alerts had been disproportionately used on marginalized and indigenous women... And now they're saying, yes, we know this can be traumatic to mothers. Oh, really? Took you that long to figure that out? All I had to do was witness one of those situations to know how traumatic that could be to the mothers and all of this. So now they're saying that this new approach is going to focus on providing early supports and preventative services to expectant parents. Honestly, my mind has just been blown. So instead of doing what they were doing, which is showing up to take the baby, now they're going to show up and say, how can we help you? You think maybe they should have been doing this all along? Oh, man, some these stories just get me so worked up when I hear about this. They're hoping now to allow for a more trusting and collaborative relationship in these situations. Okay, well, that's good, right? Cheryl Kasmer is a political executive with the First Nations Summit and joins us now to talk more about this change in policy from the Ministry of Children and Family Development. Cheryl, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. So what
0: do you think about this news then? Long time coming, but good, right?
1: Well, it's definitely a step in the right direction, and it certainly has been a long time in coming. Um, just listening to that clip that you just shared with the audience um, a few seconds ago, has just I'm just shaking. I'm, I'm physically shaking. It's just absolutely deplorable and unacceptable what has happened to Indigenous mothers and families across this country.
0: Yeah, Cheryl. We had the same reaction here as we were listening to that. How common were cases like that? That was not an isolated case, was it?
1: No, it's more common than people people know, um, and it's been happening for for decades. And so, you know, we've have uh, new families that have been um, subjected to this um, trauma and are expected to you know, move on and have a good life after something like that happens. Um, as you mentioned in your comments, it definitely puts them at a disadvantage. And um, it just tears families apart.
0: So this new change, they're talking about actually showing up now in the hospital and providing help. That would certainly be welcome. Do you think this will make a
1: difference? Well, I think the help needs to happen long before um, a family or a young mom Uh, goes into the hospital um, to have a baby. And this is what we've been um, lobbying and advocating for with both provincial and federal governments in terms of child welfare when it comes to Indigenous families is that their mandates are quite narrow in that the majority of it focuses on preventative measures or protection, I should say. Um, Whereas our perspective is the more support that you put into preventative measures, um, the less likely you're going to end up in a situation where um, a child protection case um, comes to, comes right. to fruition, right?
0: Yeah. So, sure. What do you think has to happen then in an ideal situation? If the government is listening,
1: what do you think would work? Well, there needs to be changes to um, not just the to the um, act itself, but it also has to uh, trickle down to how. Um, the services are being provided by, by the social workers themselves. And it also needs to be done in full partnership with um, Indigenous communities and nations and the families and um, families directly. And, um, you know, there's there's been, we've been calling for, you know, overhaul of the way the existing act is, and I know that the province um, in partnership um, has been working towards making some of those changes. But I don't think that we're going to realize any um, significant change until um, nations are able to fully exercise their inherent right and jurisdiction on child welfare, which we will see happen um, come January 2020 when Bill C-92, oh my goodness, excuse me, comes into effect.
0: Right, okay, so what is Bill C-92 and what kind of a difference will that make?
1: It's a federal act um, respecting uh, First Nations um, jurisdiction and authority over child welfare. Right. So First Nations will be able to create their own laws, um, and they'll be the ones to determine how child welfare issues will be dealt with um, within their communities.
0: Is it time then, Cheryl, do you think the time is coming now where we are going to be more proactive instead of
1: reactive? I think it's definitely time. Um, I don't know how many more examples and how many more families' yeah. lives need to be crushed um, before we start to realize that there needs to be some significant change in the way that we do business um, and and how we deal with children and families. Um, for far too long, First Nations people have been subjected to these um, archaic um, methods and institutions that have ripped us apart um, for centuries, beginning with the residential school and then the 60s scoop. And even to this day, you know, referencing baby, what happened to baby H and her family. I mean, that wasn't, that wasn't a long time ago. That was just a little while ago.
0: Right. And so if we are so good then, Cheryl, at identifying um, high risk, you know, mothers where the baby might have problems after birth, why can't we identify them then before birth and say, what can we do to help? Like, what has been that disconnect?
1: Well, the disconnect is not being in, in the community. Um, MCFD doesn't reside in those communities. They don't know the families. Um, who knows the families best but the communities? And so that's where the, um, that's where the empowerment needs to be, is, is on the ground in community so that um, investments can be made into families into children to prevent um, situations like this from happening. So, so if we were able to invest more into preventative services and programs, then the less likely we have to deal with protection issues down the road.
0: Is this a big step then, do you think? BC saying, all right, we are no longer going to do this. We are no longer going to have these birth alerts.
1: Well, I said it's a definitely a step in the right direction. And I find it. Um, kind of ironic that um, just last year um, they they announced a five point plan on breastfeeding. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know if you recall that, but yeah, um, they came out and made the announcement, and and um, it was as a result of a study that had taken place over a period of time that suggested that it was better for infants to be with their with their birth mother and to be able to have access to either breast milk or breastfeeding in order to form that bond. Well, they come up with that report last year, but then on the other hand, they still go about their business of removing children from birth. And so it definitely is contradictory. And um, it's just things like this that make me even more um, frustrated, I guess, in that, you know, just listen to what we have to say. We're the ones who know best as First Nations people and First Nations communities. And just work with us. If you work with us and it's and it's proven that when you do, when we do things in partnership, that um there's successes at the end of the day. So I just I just urge them to continue to be full partners in the reform of child welfare the way that it currently is to um, change it so that it is more reflective of First Nation interest and needs. Are you hopeful at all, Cheryl? Uh, yeah, I am. I have to be. <laughs> um, I do see, you know, some successes. Um, Lately with uh, the change in governments that we've both had provincially and federally, um, I think that we've we've made some strides in terms of going down the right path together. Um, and it's just going to take some time, but um, I see things changing.
0: Well, that would be a good thing. Uh, Cheryl, thank you so much for your time on this. Thank you. The Cheryl Kazimer, political executive with the First Nations Summit, joining us to talk about a change in policy from the Ministry of Children and Family Development. And it is a significant change in policy.